Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Tonight on Twilight Tonic, I have the most amazing guest, as always, but tonight I have a very committed cop and committed to the paranormal, but first and foremost, he is a cop in Chicagoland, and he has his, one of his shows is called Paranormal Cops with his group, and it is Ron Fabioni. How are you tonight? Hi, Dee. How are you? Nice I'm to talk to you. wonderful. I'm honored to have a very committed cop on this show. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's it's amazing, though. That is that is quite an undertaking in a commitment. Well, you know, um, these days uh, things are looked at uh, a little differently. But when I started out, you know, I mean, we we did get the respect of the community. Of course, you have to earn that. And, um, you know, the way police are looked at in, in our current climate is not always favorable. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I began, there were no such things as dash cams and body cameras. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different mixed opinions about all of that. But it does give everyone a bird's eye view of what we face on a daily basis. Right. How long have you been a copper on? I started out in 1987 in an immediate western suburb of Chicago, and uh, I I worked um, municipal policing for 29 years. And during that time, I was a patrolman, a tactical officer, a homicide detective. Then I became a supervisor, a sergeant in 1996. Mm -hmm. And I retired from that agency and then started out with a more rural agency in 2016, where I am currently a police sergeant. Wow, I, that's amazing that you did yeah. all of that. That's like such a commitment in so many different ways. I've enjoyed it. You know, uh, people always ask, you know, would you do it all over again if you could? And the answer is yes, I sure would. You know, um, I'm not really business minded. You know, we don't sell a product or turn a profit or anything like that. Right. And being service oriented, I think, is part of the basis of understanding uh, the need to help those in need. Mm -hmm. 
Ron, the thing that fascinates me the most about you when you've been talking is why and and how did you decide to help people with the paranormal? What experiences did you have as a cop that brought you to this? Well, it was an on-duty uh, incident or event that took place in 2003. Mm-hmm. I responded to a call at a nightclub, a late night place, but I got called there after I knew they were closed. And the doorman that worked there that called, this is a, a rough and tumble guy. This is a guy that had been shot five times in five different incidents. Oh, my gosh. And he's <laughs> not really afraid of anything, if you understand that type. Yes, yeah. And to know that he was unnerved uh, piqued my interest a bit. And I had spoken to him, and he was comfortable. We, he had known me on prior calls there. And he entrusted in me, you know, his inner feelings and whatnot. And I would not ridicule him or rush to judge or anything like that. And I, he had my he had my ear. And he was experiencing, as he claimed, seeing figures or what we would now call apparitions or things he could not explain after the bar was empty and he was there alone cleaning up. And I returned with a night vision camcorder. Not that night vision is a necessity or anything. He didn't have night vision and he's seeing things with his naked eye. But I felt that, you know what, let me put his mind at ease. I'll come in and we'll spend a little time there together and see what happens, see if anything can be captured, believing nothing would. And I ended up filming in night vision mode, a three-dimensional black mass object. It did not have a humanoid shape to it. Um, it would interact with me a bit if I would say something. Mm-hmm. And it had the texture almost like a woman's nylon, where it is see-through but is not see-through at the same time. Gotcha. And it was just gone. And, you know, I told him, I go, there's really nothing else I can do for you. You know, he has to work there. And I brought this camera back to my police station and, and I reviewed it on a big screen and I watched it several days after. And the more I watched it, the more I realized that there, I, I could come to no conclusion for what could rationally be explained as to what I filmed. And the more I watched it, the more I, I, I was perplexed. Mm-hmm. So I, re- I returned there several times and I would get audio things that I could not explain. because so I was trying to find a point of origin. Uh, you know, what What could be a reasonable explanation for what's taking place? And for policemen, we're not very comfortable not being able to come to a conclusion mm-hmm. and be able to articulate that conclusion. And it led me to think that if things like this were happening here, they may be happening like that elsewhere in the Chicago area. And I wanted to put together a group of interested uh, policemen, cops, uh, to investigate reported hauntings like we would any investigation to secure the scene, to search, secure, and still the environment, to to look at everything and to take everything into consideration and to try and rule out, you know, natural occurrences or what might be taking place. And I put together a group. Uh, called the Chicago Paranormal Detectives. Mm -hmm. 
And we would do this. Of course, we're still all full-time cops working 40 plus hours a week, you know, and even part-time jobs and, you know, different shifts. But if someone was at the end of their rope, be it their residence, their place of employment, what have you, we would, you know, take time and consider who they are and what their claims are and take a look if we could. Right. With the group that you formed, the Paranormal Cops, did any of those other officers have experiences prior? Uh, You know, uh, a couple did uh, in personal lives, which, you know, and we went through a process of a couple guys would come and go and whatnot. But then we got a fine-tuned, tight-knit group of guys who were kind of on the same page. And it was Mm -hmm. all about, you know, none of us are gullible. Some may be, may be more skeptical than others, and, sure. you know, that's what you have to be, and we all are, too, you know, reasonably. You know, you have to have an open mind, but not so open that when you lean forward, your brain falls out of your head. You know, you have to, <laughs> you have to stay well-grounded, you know. And, you know, by, by, by potentially compromising our integrity, we need to make sure that what we're talking about and our conclusions are based on things that are recorded, be it audio or video. And, you know, stories or somebody would say, you know, let's say, for instance, I smell bananas. Well, I can't record what you smell. There's no way of recording that. (laughs) Or I have a sense of dread or a sense of uneasiness. Mm -hmm. If I can't record that and play it back and document that, then it's not actual evidence. It's a personal experience, of course. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of times people will walk into a place and say, oh, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. A lot of that is us also getting freaked out. You can go into a uh, a haunted house where you pay, you know, X amount of dollars to walk in and you can get that same sensation. Mm-hmm. You're doing that to yourself more often than not. Okay. So to separate what's evidentiary, uh, recordable, factual, and then everywhere you go, you know, it's. Al Capone used to have a brewery in the basement and, you know, a five-year-old kid fell down the elevator shaft in 1920. Well, we Mm. need, we need the death certificate. We need the name of the person. We need to know where they're buried. We need a news clipping. We can't just take local folklore and run with it. You can't do that. So to separate what's folklore versus actual history, and if that even is a contributing factor or not, takes time and you can't rush you can't rush to come to a conclusion as a police officer have you ever walked into a place where your hair stood up on the back of your neck uh several times all the time um depending on the severity of a call you know i primarily work in midnight shift and uh the world is a different place uh between let's say midnight and 8 a.m And, you know, the likelihood of something, quote unquote, darker, um, you know, it's just a whole different dynamic, a whole different clientele, uh, a whole different feel, actually. And um, yes, of course, being a homicide detective and I was an undercover auto theft detective working, you know, in the inner city and things Mm -hmm. like this. I have been shot at. I have been involved in shooting myself and there are all kinds of things that we face and you can have these problems on day shift on afternoon shift Mm -hmm. really at any time but 
if you work in a high crime area where there's a, a, you know a, a lot going on uh, or violent crime yes you know because all cops come from society you know we're we're, we're not right. superhuman you know and um but you don't show that you feel it inside mm-hmm. and over years you know things like that can get bottled up but in the moment you have to act you have to perform and maybe later on the next day you reflect on what took place and then it sinks in right. if that makes any sense now when you did homicide particularly mm-hmm. any anything happened that you were aware of at the time where you had an experience where you heard from the dead or anything like that no, I never did. Um, you know, I've been asked that before. Sure. Um, you know, and I'll tell people, you know, fear those that have pulses. Yeah. You know, worry about them. Uh, everyone, not everyone, a, a significant portion of the population seems to fear the deceased or would be spirits. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, um, our investigations have not discovered things that are necessarily malevolent right. or, 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 you know, demonic. Uh, I would venture to say, and these are just opinions, that if someone was less than favorable in life, they just might be less than favorable in the afterlife. No, sure. Um, yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean they're demonic. They're just they're just jerks. <laughs> so, you know, at the same time, we have recorded audio. You know, it makes you think things. We've recorded audio where you hear a voice that sounds like the person has emphysema, or you rec- record a footstep or something where it sounds like the person is walking, but they're impaired. So it makes you question the concept of, you know, what what happened to rest in peace? Right. You know? Um, but it, it just makes you rethink everything you thought you knew. But to answer your original question, no, I've never had a dead body talk to me or anything like that. But, um, sometimes you wish they would, right? you know, give you evidence. Well, yeah, (laughs) tell me who did this, you know, I mean, let's, you know, what do you remember? Now, um, with all your experiences, have you known any other cops that have ever came to you and asked you? Did you hear what I heard? Did you see what I see? And oh, keep sure. it deep to themselves, because I'm sure, you know, like you said, cops are just people. They can have intuitive right. or mediumship abilities like anyone else. Have you right. ever had a cop say, hey, this is what I saw and this is what I heard? Sure. And and there's things that can happen here and there where you do hear or see something that you can't immediately sign off on and say, oh, that was simply fill in the blank this or whatever. You you know, you have to go and, and find out what is it that I, what I saw and what is mm-hmm. it that I heard. And there's not always a conclusive answer there either. And if you hang on to the, those moments and you let them uh, deep into your psyche, you know, you can drive yourself nuts. Mm-hmm. There are okay. certain things that we have to discount and move on especially if it's not something that's immediately significant based on safety 
or based on, you know, a critical incident that you might be investigating at that time. So, yeah. yes, of course. Yeah, we see things and hear things from time to time that you can't quite put your finger on, but you have to let it go also. Right. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen cops quit over things like that. Well, I've seen cops quit over things like that and other things. You know, right. um, again, you know, we're not superhuman and um, things can get to you. Uh, in the movies and TV, you see cops that deal with stress and it's usually depicted with uh, a hard, a hard, painful, emotional call they were on or hard, painful situation that you're on. More often than not, our stress is not being able to talk openly about how we are feeling. Mm-hmm. We all, we, for the most part, have this inner sense of trying to be able to fix things. And when you can't fix everything, sometimes it haunts you. And a lot of times, what we can't fix are our own families and our own selves. And it's like the mechanic that fixes everybody else's car, but he drives a junker. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes it's that way. Not always, of course. But, uh, or you get stress from your administration. You know, the stress comes from inside the police station. You know, your bosses, your supervisors, the community. You know, you want to take a day off to attend, you know, a family wedding and you're denied because you don't have enough seniority. These things can happen in, in any line of work. Sure. But but we we see an ugly side of society. Um, like I had mentioned in the past, nobody orders pizza and, and a case of beer and says, we're having a party, dial 911, invite the cops over. Right. <laughs> We go to 911 calls for trouble. If there's no trouble, you usually don't meet us. Right. And nowadays, even even old-fashioned cops, you know, I, I encourage the guys, and I do it too, you get out of your car, you, you, you commiserate, you introduce yourself by your first name instead of sergeant this or officer that in this robotic, militaristic type of, just be people, just have empathy. Every problem is not solved by handcuffing people. Every problem is not solved by arresting people. Right. You know, you try you try and help. Sometimes you apply a band-aid to a problem. Sometimes you apply stitches to a problem. Right. And there is nowhere else to turn. So if you live in a certain city, you cannot open your yellow pages or nowadays go on Google and say, you know what? I don't like my police department. I'm going to contact this other police. No, there's no option. Right. You call who you have and that's who comes. So, you know, we are the first and last line of defense and response. And when you see the, you know, masses of people, wanting to defund or they despise the police. Well, what's the alternative? Yeah. You know, if you, if you get in a car crash, you need a crash report, an accident report for your insurance. You can't call the local gangbanger to come fill out an accident report for you. You got to call the police. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really curious, and this is probably a question you get a million times also, but mm-hmm. have you ever had someone call in something paranormal that they can't explain? Well, you get that a lot. Cryptids yeah. in the window, UFOs yes. in the night sky. Yes. It's usually a noise. It's usually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody's banging on my window in my second story bedroom <laughs> or there's <laughs> <Right>. footsteps <laughs> in the attic. And it's usually a branch from a tree in the wind or mm-hmm. it's a raccoon 
sometimes you can't find anything and it could right. be a, a critter that you can't find because we're not going to crawl around in your attic. We're not, you know, working. But, <laughs> you Come know, on, you Ron. Can't. I want to see you in that attic crawl around with a <laughs> yeah, flashlight. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do. You know, I got coffee to drink. I got cigars <laughs> to smoke. But, you know, it, it, we, we can't always provide an answer. And that's tough for us. And I think it's sometimes tough for the people we're serving. But again, we're just, we're, we're regular people. We don't always have an answer for you, you know? So you decide to form a paranormal group of detectives, obviously. Yes. And obviously everybody believes in something, but you also have to come across as a professional and yes. come to an honest conclusion each time, obviously, because you need to debunk anything that's fake. And I, I, of course, I highly respect that. And you don't want to harass the spirit, which I'm, I'm very against, obviously. But my next question to you, is there ever an investigation that you guys did together that blew your socks off? Uh, yes. Um, just to back up a couple points you made, you know, when, when I have a, a suspect for a violent crime in custody, uh, you know, you, you hear about good cop, bad cop, how to get a voluntary statement or a confession and things like this. Mm -hmm. Well, same thing with bad guys. You get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. Okay. Offer them a cigarette. Talk to them like they're a person. It might turn your stomach what they're accused of doing. Right. So you have to be an, you have to be an actor. And and you're trying to build a rapport. That's how you get somewhere. It's how you get somewhere in a relationship. Mm -hmm. When I hope to God, you're not being an actor in a relationship that better really be how you feel. <laughs> right. <But laughs> that's how you get somewhere professionally in whatever line of work you are in and in a community. So when you're dealing with a suspect, you build a rapport and you want to drop their defenses. You want them to relax. You don't want their walls up because you want to hear what they have to say. Same thing with the paranormal investigation. Who am I to walk into a 150-year-old building and demand that somebody interacts with me? Who the hell am I? Mm -hmm. If there's a spirit, if spirits exist, because you have to say it that way. There's no proof ghosts exist or spirits exist at all. That's why it's called the unknown. But you have to try and make peace and build a rapport and build a level of trust. And if, if there's a spirit in a place for 80 years or 100 years, how much rapport building can I do in a few hours in one night? Right. So you got to try. But to provoke, to be disrespectful, to be demanding. And I think people do that to try and get a response. Any, sure. response, right. any response they are happy with. Um, I, I, I understand that. I don't necessarily practice that, but I think again, by building rapport, it's, it's much, much better results. So our debut episode of paranormal cops, which is the show based on the Chicago paranormal detectives, our debut episode was at a place called big timers sound shop. This is a car <laughs> stereo type of place where whatever, you know, and in its heyday, we came to realize it was a nightclub ran by organized crime in Chicago. 
and we discovered a lot of unsavory type of characters uh, congregated there. Some violence took place, some deaths took place, mm-hmm. and we were basically, we recorded audio, very clear EVPs, electronic voice phenomena that you can't hear in the moment, but you can hear when you play it back. We recorded several EVPs that had swore at us, that, you know, told us, you know, your your classic, you know, get out that everybody hears, um, but conveyed messages to us on these recordings that we were not welcome I was told I was a disgrace to my heritage by being Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we, we also have Mariah Rame, who is our medium. Mm-hmm. And using a medium is something that I enjoy doing greatly. I would say a medium is like a polygraph machine. It is not admissible in court standing on its own two feet, let's say. However... Using one in a criminal investigation can potentially lead you in this direction versus that direction. Right. In and of itself, you have to look at it as inconclusive. But when you start connecting dots and you can start having it, that device, corroborate things you already knew and or, uh, you know, can vindicate witness statements then you have something there. And I look at a medium very much the same way. Um, If our medium, Mariah, would say, you know, there's somebody standing behind you, or this guy just said, you know, Fred's Uncle Bill says hello. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't can't really take that as, uh, you know, uh, uh, as evidence, unless it can later be corroborated. Right. So you use a medium on on all your investigations on your show. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and off and off the show. And yes. off the show as well. So was that the most impactful place that you investigated during your show uh, or after your show? As far as being told specific things like that, like in other words, obviously they knew who I was to say I'm a, I'm a, a an embarrassment to my heritage, you know, it, it, it kind of revealed like, well, that's, that's what I would call intelligent interaction. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, it, it, it kind of heightens the level of, uh, you know, their intellect or their, uh, you know, it, it appears to be, let me say that. I don't know with absolute certainty because all I can say is it's paranormal, which means not normal. You know, I can't say that's, Absolutely the spirit of this specific individual, because I can't prove that. Mm-hmm. So if I can't articulate that to where a reasonable person could believe that, then I can't I can't sign off on that. All I can say is if you and I are alone in a room and we record a voice, all I can say is it wasn't you and it wasn't me. That right. that I know. That I can, you know, document and prove and sign off on. But by certain things like that, it just takes it up a notch to be able to to recognize who I am. And they did not like that the police <laughs> were in a place, you know, we're not just a bunch of curious people wandering around asking questions in the dark. We're the cops. And they didn't like that at all. And I found that also interesting because they're recognizing our identities personally right. and professionally. 
and that takes a, a level of intellect that is, you know, could be unnerving. Let's say it that way. Right. And if somebody, something or someone tells you you're, you're a disgrace to your heritage, that just brings it up a notch. Yes. That makes you yes, like, what? Excuse me. <laughs> so then people would say, well, how do you know you're not bringing things home? Well, you don't know. So we would do a we would do a prayer before and after and ask for anything else, you know, to stay behind and that we are safe and protected. Is there value in that? I'll say this. If it makes you feel good and it makes you feel protected, then the answer is yes. That's like if people say, ask me and they do and they have many times. Can a ghost hurt you? Can a ghost do this? Can a ghost do that? Well, first and foremost, I have to answer very matter-of-factly. And I start out by saying, there's no proof ghosts exist. So for people to say, well, they can do this, but they cannot do that, is preposterous. Because we don't know. It's absurd to say, what are the limits of spirits, ghosts, what have you? We have no idea. But I would say, in my opinion and my experience, if a spirit exists and if it can hurt you, I would say that would be psychologically or emotionally, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Right. Have you ever seen physical objects move on a case? Not in real time. What I mean by that is to watch it and see it move across a room or, a, uh, you know, or a shelf or a table or anything like that. No. Um, to see something, to put a camera on something and leave an area and have something uh, slightly move or somewhat relocate. Yes, but that's very, 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 very rare. Right. Very rare. It's so strange. I remember I was 16 and this is really a strange thing when mm-hmm. it comes to like seeing things move. I was 16, I was talking to my mom, and we had this bookcase. And it was really Mm -hmm. interesting because it has left an imprint on me. It will leave an imprint on me probably to the day I leave this planet. (laughs) But we were talking, and all of a sudden, a book literally levitated, opened a page, and fell on the floor. Oh, wow. And, you know, I was raised around this. And I'd seen things throughout my childhood, but that one was very significant. One, it was plain as day and it wasn't at night. It was like six o'clock in the evening. That's how on a summer day, that's how vivid it is in my head. And the odd thing is now I'm not a super, I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person. Sure. But it was the Bible. It opened the page and it fell on the floor. And we were so stunned, like I couldn't move. And my mom was stunned. And all she could think about is picking up that book and putting it back on the bookshelf without reading it. Yeah. Well, it's significant, isn't it? Yeah. And it's never left my mind. It feels like when I think about it, it feels like it was yesterday. But, Mm -hmm. you know, to say I've seen things every day like that, absolutely not. It's usually when I least expect it. And when things like that happen, we look at, 
oh, what time did that occur? Oh, what day of the week did that occur? Oh, what was the calendar date? And none of those things might mean anything, but they might mean everything. And we just don't know because you can, you can try, it's like the seven degrees or whatever of Kevin Bacon, you know, you can (laughs) try and find it's, it's a kaleidoscope. It might mean nothing, but it happened. Yeah. And it's significant because at the same time, I'm not a big believer. I'm not a believer in coincidences. There's a reason for everything. And when we can't hang our hat on what that is, there is a sense of being unnerved a bit or perplexed. There's something you remembered from childhood. And if it happened every day, it wouldn't be news. Yeah. And it was so strange. We we were frightened, but not in the sense that we had to run mm-hmm. out of the house. Because, right. you know, since I grew up with all of that stuff, stuff would occur. And my mom would be like, that's just part of life. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You go on about your day. And if it happens, mm-hmm. cool. You take it with a grain of salt. You try yeah. to figure out where it came from. And if it's not good, you send it away. If it's good, keep it. But right. that had a huge impact on both of it. That was so clear and so spooky in a sense, but not spooky at the same time. Exactly. Thank like, you for saying that. Like what? Did we both because I saw you, that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you can look at things <laughs> like that. You can look at things like that that are unnerving or that you can't explain. And in a an odd way, you can find peace and or beauty in that. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, does everybody? No, I think that uh, certain paranormal investigators or groups may enter into a dwelling for self-gratification. They're not there to help anybody to put themselves. Self-gratification, and they're looking to interact with something, and if something touches them, they run for the hills and they're screaming their head off. What the heck did you want? They wanted answers, but they didn't want to accept the answer that they received. They don't want, right, right, (laughs) right. So when you get what you want, you take off. You know, if I am entering someone's residence or a business or a dwelling, it's because there's an immediate need. Not because of, not to satisfy me, but there's a need for the people that occupy that space. And if I get an interaction of some kind, this is when the conversation and the patience begins. Now we are getting somewhere. This is not the time to flee. This is the time to dig deeper and to stay and to remain calm and allow whatever it is there to express itself. This Mm -hmm. is what you're there for. And I don't understand the runaway thing. (laughs) Um, Again, you know, I mean, I would take new cops and bring them in training to go see an autopsy. And I would say, if you're going to get sick, you're going to get sick here. This is a controlled environment. I'd rather you got sick here than you go to a call at a house where there's a shooting Mm -hmm. or a fatal accident uh, where you must perform your duties and maintain your professionalism. And I don't want you to get sick there. So it's okay. You know, when you're in someone's residence, first of all, whoever called you once, once they, they pass for us in particular, once they pass our criteria and we feel they are actually experiencing something, we're in their space, we're in their home, we're guests. And 
maybe there's a spirit attached to someone in the house. Right. Maybe there's a spirit attached to the property. Everybody races to the assumption that, well, this must have been a, a graveyard at one time or, you know, maybe Indians or, well, maybe we don't know. That's why we're there to try and get answers. And maybe we can and maybe we cannot. But you have to have your faculties about you and you have to maintain control as cops. We do not have the luxury of losing it or losing control or freaking out. Maybe later when I leave, mm -hmm. maybe I'll fall apart. Who knows? Or the next day or the next week. But when people would contact us for investigations, we have to go through a series of finding out who are you? What is going on there? Um, maybe we're going to call the local police and give the address and say, and ask, how many times a week are you here? Oh, God, we go there every other day. Okay, mm. then we're not going. Um, you know, and, and find out what's happening when it comes to a bar or a restaurant. I have personally never been to a bar or restaurant that, that did not claim to be haunted. Mm -hmm. So we would we would have one or two people go in with their girlfriends or wives, have dinner, and just simply ask about the hauntings. If they don't know what we're talking about, if they have no idea, then it's usually the proprietor who's looking for some some form of notoriety to bring people in. Uh, sure, and that's really common nowadays. Yes. So we would do what we call a concealed interview. If you just have a couple of people go in and talk about it, nobody knows what they're talking about. You're interviewing them without them knowing it. And if there's not a legit problem, if there's not a concern, we have to take time away from our jobs and our families to go and do this. We want to make sure that we have people who are really in need versus people that just want publicity for their business. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yeah, that really bothers me when people do that. And I think people need to realize that spirits or ghosts and whatever they want to call them are people without suits. Exactly. They're people and there's going to be good ones and there's going to be kind ones and there's going to be scared ones. Can can you mm -hmm. imagine? I mean, the movies The Others, which is one of my favorite movies. Yes. It was a really interesting twist. It's a very interesting twist and a lot of those types of things are based on maybe a family story that's come down generation after generation, who knows, or people's actual experiences that they have had. Um, you know, saying there's no such thing as spirits or ghosts, I can equate that to going to the Pacific or Atlantic Ocean and dipping a glass in the water and holding it up and saying, see, there's no fish in this glass. There's no fish in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you can't base the ocean on a glass of water. So we we don't know. We just don't. Enough paranormal type of experiences and events um, have been the basis for religions to be created, for <laughs> people to go to sacred locations around the world and pray and things like this. Um, you know, the word paranormal is not a scary word. It's just things that are beyond our comprehension at this point in time in our sense of evolution as we grow older, as our, our society and our, our race of humans grows. You know, that's why they say that we only use a certain percentage of our brain. I know a lot of people that don't use any. Yeah. They, keep, <laughs> they keep me employed. 
But, you know, not trying to go too deep here, but there's so many layers of things that you really, really, really have to consider. I am not a person that colors inside the lines. I am not a person that lives in black or white. I live in gray. I don't stand in line single file. I think of other ways, more than one way to skin a cat. You have to be kind of open-minded, like I said earlier. You have to be extremely open-minded, but you also have to stay well-grounded. Because I have met people that can just get all wrapped up in this, and they lose their mind. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that. I can't do that personally. If others are happy that way, God bless you as long as you're genuinely happy. But in order to 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 continue to be a, a law enforcement professional, I don't have that luxury. I have to mm-hmm. stay grounded and evidence is evidence and stories are stories. Right, exactly. With all of that being said, obviously, in how many investigations have you and your group done? Uh, I would say uh, just shy of 100. Okay. Shy of 100. Mind you, that's saying no to most requests. Right. Because they're a graveyard, they're outside, they're a forest preserve, they're an apartment building, they're a hotel. All of those things are uncontrolled environments. We are conducting an investigation. When we are conducting an investigation, you need that environment to be controlled. So if you go into a house and they've got a parakeet and a gerbil and three dogs and seven cats, (laughs) that's all got to go. That's all got to, you got to get that out of the house before we're coming. Right. We need it to be quiet. We need it to be controlled. We need it to be secure. And we need to seal every window and every door so that there's never a question. Was that door open? Was that window open? The seal would be broken if it was open after we sealed it. We need to make sure we understand the environment we're in. It's like if we're searching a building for a bad guy or there's an active shooter or there's a crime scene. That's why we put crime scene tape all the way around. We want cameras on the outside of a house as well as on the inside because you don't know what you're doing until you can document, record, search, seal, and secure the environment. Mm -hmm. Sure. So out of those hundred investigations, have you seen an apparition? My, well, that's what caused me to begin doing this is the first night when I never intended to go to work to get called to a paranormal 911 call. And by filming that apparition is what caused me to invest a lot of money and equipment, which is what caused me to create the Chicago Paranormal Detectives, which is what caused me to take all this time away from my personal life to try and find answers for people other than myself. Mm-hmm. So other than that, um, I don't believe I have seen with my eyes something that I could not necessarily explain have i felt things yes have i heard things absolutely um have i uh, been in areas that i think are active of course mm-hmm. absolutely i have and we used to do a a a final disposition at the end of every investigation whether it's a a a code one code two code three code four and these definitions mean different things to different people for us to come in and say, yes, we conclude your house is haunted. Well, listen, 
you know, and I know, and your listening audience knows this truth, this statement to be true that I'm about to make. If you want to be a paranormal investigator, all you have to do is say you are. There is no certification. There is no license. There's no state agency that you have to take a test for. You just say you are and you are, which makes this line of work a little sketchy at times. Right. Because there is no no bar that has to be achieved in order to satisfy any standard. Um, For instance, photographs. Mm -hmm. People would send us thousands of still photographs, and we we just don't take them into consideration. You can't. I want to see how an object enters the frame, what it does while it's within the frame, and how it moves out of frame. Nowadays, you can fake so much stuff. Oh, absolutely. And there can be so many false positives for people that genuinely want to believe. So if somebody shows me, you know, a picture of a jack-o'-lantern and they go, look, my dead uncle Frank is standing behind. I don't know that. Number one, I wasn't there when it was taken. Mm -hmm. Number two, I can't validate something like that for you. So a lot of times... People will ask a lot of questions. They more so want to be validated in what they believe. They want you to agree with them. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear, no, I can't help you. No, I think it's pareidolia. Pareidolia, uh, if anyone that doesn't know, is when you look in the clouds and it looks like Mickey Mouse. Right. Well, it's not Mickey yep. Mouse. It's a cloud. <laughs> Jesus is not on your French toast. It's French toast. You know, but people see things. When I was a little kid, I had wooden paneling in my bedroom and I would see faces in the wood grain. They're not faces. Mm-hmm. But when you're four years old, they sure as heck are. Right. You know? <laughs> so when you're 50 years old, you know, you should stop seeing faces in the wood grain, you know. But <laughs> I'm not making fun of anybody, but it's very easy to get carried away sure and and if it feels good you know then we come back to feelings and emotions people want to hear their 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 deceased loved ones voices people want to see an example of their spirit presence that's still with them Mm -hmm. and we don't want to take that away from anybody and we're not we're not experts at being able to say, yes, that's legitimate. And no, that's this, that, or the other thing. But I can't at the same time confirm for anyone. I mean, I can't tell them what they want to hear. I got to tell them what I see and what my opinion is. And, you know, that's really interesting that you said that because if it's a relative trying to communicate with them, they might not want to communicate with outsiders. Exactly. That could have been just for that person a and private person, message, a private oh, experience. Yeah. Right. And I think so many people watch the TV shows and they want that sensationalism. Yes, they do. But if some, of your, course they do. Your grandma, you know, communicates with you and says, I love you, honey. And you hear that voice. Yeah. It's, they want that sensationalism. And all it was was your grandmother saying, honey, I love you. Exactly. And it was for you and, I, and you only. <laughs> Only. Exactly. Thank you. And there's a value on that. And take that memory and take that experience and let it do its intended purpose to bring you inner peace. Yeah. That's all. Exactly. 
And it, it's so interesting because what you do is very legitimate. You go into a place and you tell them the truth. And you're not telling them they're a liar. You're not telling them anything bad. You're simply saying, scientifically, I didn't hear or see anything. You're okay. Mm -hmm. And maybe that message was just for you. Right. And I'm not in your house as long as you are. You live there. I don't. Yeah. I'm there for a day or two. So just because I don't record something or just because we didn't have something happen doesn't mean what you're experiencing isn't happening to you. Right. I'm, I would never say that. You know, um, everyone has their own perception of what they're feeling. And all I'm saying is I can't always corroborate how you feel or what this might mean to this person might mean something different to someone else. Mm -hmm. So you just go based on what's recorded and what actually happened and what's data you can review. Right. And, you know, from your first experience, you seeing that apparition on, on film, mm -hmm. and that's something that stuck in your head and drew you to wanting to investigate and wanting to understand more. I think a lot of the paranormal people, they really want that. They want to know more. And, oh, it's, it's human nature. Yeah. And some... Like you said before, they just want the sensationalism and they'll run out the door as soon as something really happens. <laughs> right. I'm not a content provider on social media. I'm not trying, you know, I'm not trying to dazzle anybody. You know, if I can come and help you and you feel better after I leave, even if I tell you I don't think there's anything here to fear, or it might be an EMF. Uh, type of situation where you're getting from the, the a bad badly insulated circuit breaker box in your house, mm -hmm. or maybe you do have bad plumbing, or maybe this, or maybe I'm just giving you maybes. You know, maybe it's something that you know your average person does not take into consideration. But to to be able to sit and say, well, this is conclusively what's taking place. You know, all, all the stars are in alignment, and therefore. You know, your dead Aunt Judy is going to come to you tonight at three o'clock. I can't tell you that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, I'm not that. You called the wrong people. So, and then again, when religion comes into play, if you are religious, I have told people, contact, you know, people at wherever it is you worship or however you see fit, whatever brings you peace. And maybe they can bring you peace. But right. again, they're not going to necessarily come in with cameras and recorders. That's not that's not that end of it. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, it's whatever brings you peace in your dwelling, because in your own home, you got to feel safe. That's right. All. Absolutely. That's all. So what is next for you? You did Paranormal Cops on a &E. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can find that on Netflix, you can find it on Amazon, you could find it on um, the Bio Channel and Gateway. What's next for you? Uh, right now, I think Paranormal Cops is on Hulu. People can buy the, the DVDs on Amazon or eBay. Mm -hmm. um, since then, I did a show called Paranormal Challenge with Zach Bagans, where I was a guest judge with Dave Schrader. And um, we, this is where the Tennessee Wraith Chasers were born, right. and a bunch of great guys. Um, 
after that, 2019, I did a show called uh, Paranormal Emergency, where I told the story that I just told you now of the origins of the Chicago Paranormal Detectives. I've done uh, one or two little cameo things here and there, but where I go from here is actually just serving and protecting and growing old and focusing on my loved ones and my my children and my family and things of that nature. Um, you know, I'm not to have any plans in the future for any kind of TV production or anything like that. If the phone rings, if it's a project that might sound okay and it's convenient to me, I may consider it. That happens time to time to time. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, I'm just living my life. And if there was someone who is in need, if there was someone who is at the end of their rope, um, I can be found on Facebook very easily, Ron Fabiani. Um, people can look me up. I will answer them if I can help. I don't have all the answers. I just yeah. don't. I'm a real guy. I'm a regular person. You know, I have coffee in the morning. I, you know, <laughs> I sleep with a CPAP machine. You know, I'm just a regular guy. But sometimes people need someone to talk to or they, 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 they just need someone to validate, if possible, what they are experiencing. Because sometimes people also think that they're losing it. And if you can <laughs> record something that can corroborate what they're experiencing, they do feel a bit of vindication and a sense of peace. And at the end of the day, that's all you want to do is when you go into a house and and help people, you want them to be just a little bit relieved. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for your service. Oh, more than welcome. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that very much. um, I am very happy that I had you on Twilight Tonic sharing this information. And I am so honored that you came on, Ron. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for inviting me. And I hope all your listeners enjoyed this. Well, they again, will. I know they will. And remember, you can find me on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud and pretty soon other streams as well. And Ron, I hope you come back on on some point. Keep us updated. Sounds good. Touch right. in touch. You have a great evening. 